I think a lot of times as Catholics and other Christians in the arts, we can have this kind of fortress mentality of, you know, the secular art world is out to get us. Hollywood is out to us. You know, these people don't uh, appreciate people of faith. You know, they're, they're out to destroy the church, yada, yada, yada. And there certainly is some of that. I mean, I certainly in my training in New York met outright hostility to my faith. But I think that even more than that, there's a, a real power of story. And like Jeremy was talking about, there's the actual desire for redemption and for meaning and for love and for forgiveness and to be known as loved and forgiven and of value and seen as a value. So I think we just trust our stories. We can trust that the world at large will find meaning in them and we don't have to defend them so vigorously against attack and just trust in their power. of the careful craft of live stories. nine years old when I saw my first live musical theater. It was a local production of Annie, and I was completely and totally entranced in it. I had never, ever seen anything like it. (laughs) And more importantly, it starred little kids just like me, some of whom I even went to school with. Kids just like me having the courage to stand on stage in front of hundreds of people and sing their hearts out. And I was hooked. That summer, my mom and dad bought me the original Annie musical, VHS, and I watched it every single day that summer. (laughs) And that is not remotely an exaggeration. (laughs) My parents put me into theater and for the next three years, I was in numerous plays and musicals. Then something happened. I lost my confidence. The middle school years had completely devastated my self-confidence and courage. I stopped performing and there was always this jealousy in my heart when I went to my friend's plays in high school and college and saw my peers doing a craft which I had always loved doing but couldn't get up the courage to do again. But when I think about those years, that time when I fell in love with theater, I've often thought about why... What was it that I was drawn to? And as I thought about it over the years, when I fell back in love with theater as an adult, I've been wondering what God is up to. Why are we so drawn to a good story? What is it about witnessing a beautiful story right in front of our eyes that moves us, that helps us to be more whole human beings? So that's what we're going to talk about today. how we encounter the truly beautiful through the art of storytelling, and more specifically, for the storytelling we see in live theater. But before we dive into the world of theater, I wanted first to understand why the tradition of storytelling is so essential in our lives as Christians. And I knew just the person to reach out to. David A. King, Ph.D., and I am professor of English and film studies 
at Kennesaw State University in Atlanta, Georgia, where I have taught for 27 years. I found Dr. King because of an article he wrote for the Georgia Bulletin titled, So Shall I Tell You a Story, Catholic Narrative and Evangelism. Dr. King has long written for the Georgia Bulletin, in fact, as the arts and culture columnist for the Diocesan Paper, and has won numerous awards from the Catholic Press Association over the years. Dr. King is a fourth-generation Atlanta native raised in a Southern Baptist family with deeply rooted connections to progressive social concerns, namely civil rights and racial justice. And his love of his faith and his love of caring for others was carried with him to graduate school, where an academic experience would go on to shape the rest of his life. So I was a faithful, believing Christian all through young adulthood, into college. And when I got to graduate school in 1990, I met a professor, uh, he was a Catholic, who was working on a project related to Thomas Merton, and he needed a research assistant. So I interviewed for the position, and I'll never forget throughout the whole interview, I I nodded and smiled every time the name Thomas Merton was mentioned because I had no idea who Thomas Merton was. It wasn't long before, after accepting the job, of course, that Dr. King would get to know Thomas Merton in a profound way. After reading The Seven Story Mountain, something in Dr. King began to shift. And after he started visiting a monastery in his hometown in Atlanta, he was slowly drawn into the intellectual and visual beauty of Catholicism. I was in graduate school, and I was so poor that I would do anything to save to save money. So rather than parking my car on campus, and this was an urban campus, Georgia State University, rather than parking my car on campus, I would park it about three miles away in a shopping mall. And I would walk, I would walk down Peachtree Street to the university. <clears throat> well, my travels took me past a historic old Catholic church. It's now a basilica, but it was the uh, Church of the Sacred Heart. And I used to walk by that church and think, if I, if I just could look inside, if I could just open the door, what what but no, you can't, they're Catholics. You can't look in there. But one day I said, you know, this is ridiculous. Your imagination has been sparked and you've got to open that door and look inside. So I opened the door of Sacred Heart and I was just taken aback by how beautiful it was. And before you knew it, uh, I was in the office of our uh, campus Catholic chaplain saying, Father, I want to become a Catholic. When I opened that door to Sacred Heart Catholic Church, I could not have imagined that I would open that same door with my wife. We were married in that parish. I couldn't have imagined that my firstborn son would be baptized there. But that's how it all worked out, and it all all goes back to uh, the discovery of Thomas Merton. Now that piece I found by Dr. King, So Shall I Tell You a Story, is a brief but beautiful article that talks about both the Catholic tradition of storytelling, how our faith is really dependent on communicating the power of narrative, but it's also about his own life and the impact of stories on each of our stories. 
Dr. King wrote, I entered the church through the portal of the imagination, a message he hopes will resonate with all of us. We cannot underestimate the power of the imagination and the soul's response to beauty. We we are living in a chaotic, troubled time, as I guess all people do. But we cannot lose sight of the fact that God gave us an imagination. He gave us an intellect. He gave us curiosity. He gave us the ability to appreciate beauty. And the church has an abundance of riches in all of those things that are they're right there for the asking. All you have to do is ask, but you cannot underestimate the imagination. It is just as important to engage the imaginative aspect of the human being as it is to 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 formulate their ethical conscience, I think. But the question, of course, is why bother with storytelling? It's a question I've thought a lot about over the past few years. I talk a lot about with my husband and close friends. What is so unique and important about knowing how to share stories, about the power of narrative in communicating the gift of the gospel? Well, the primary answer is simple, because it's what Jesus did. How did Jesus teach? Well, everybody knows he taught in parables. He taught in stories, right? Because he was a great teacher. And he knew, like all good teachers, that if you really want to engage a student, you really want to engage your audience, you you tell them a story. Because a story connects people, not just on a personal level, but on a universal level. I think there's this lie that has seeped into our modern Catholic speak. (laughs) It's a lie which thinks of oral storytelling as either archaic, something done centuries ago, right? Or as a generational skill, you know, sitting at the foot of grandpa and listening to his stories. But the thing is, all of us are called to be storytellers. We are all called to integrate the gift of stories in our daily lives. And the thing is, we all have stories to tell because we're all living in the greatest story ever told, right? The story of salvation history. But storytelling does something deeper as well. Storytelling takes abstract concepts, issues, morals, etc., right? And brings them into the everyday. And when we do this as listener or as storyteller, my circle widens and I begin to see a human being on the other side. I recognize a person not so unlike me. The teller and the listener are sharing an experience that is fundamental to everybody. And let's be honest, people delight in listening to a good story. He really believed that we tell stories because it reminds us of the greatest story. And the greatest story, of course, is that of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Tolkien's point was that the storyteller incorporates a moment in the tale that is known as the eucatastrophe or the eucatastrophe. You'll hear it pronounced different ways. But that that term 
is for Tolkien the happiest of all endings. He called it joy beyond the walls of the world. And Tolkien said that what every storyteller is trying to do is capture some sense of that eucatastrophe. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that all stories have to be what we might consider a traditional happy ending, right? <laughs> Flannery O'Connor stories, for example, weren't exactly fluffy, joy-filled endings. And Flannery O'Connor said, for the hard of hearing you shout, and for the almost blind you draw large and startling figures. And what she meant was that to engage people in a jaded, secular, agnostic society, you can't tell them a sermon. You can't preach to them. A homily is not necessarily going to engage or convince anyone, though sometimes they do. If you really want to engage somebody, then you tell them a story. And for O'Connor, the best kind of story was a story that was, in fact, uh, shocking because it made this, it jerked this jaded secular audience out of complacency and smugness and made them, made them listen. The entire reason, of course, storytelling is included in a season about beauty goes back to our original thesis for this entire season. Storytelling isn't simply a passing on of what already was. Storytelling also involves the creative act of making stories in order to communicate beauty. Every single piece of Catholic art begins with the simple premise it tells a story. We live in a post-Christian age, but the modern Catholic artist ever since the beginning of the 20th century has always understood that the church endures and it moves throughout time and even transcends time. And the art and the philosophy, the aesthetic and the intellectual traditions associated with it they move along with it, too. It doesn't matter how things might ebb and flow in society. The church moves on. And to me, Catholic art is, is everywhere. And this is, this is one of my favorite, favorite ideas, is that I believe that all of us who were made in the image and likeness of God, a creator, were therefore given some share in the joy that he himself must feel in creating. So the Catholic artist, what, what J.R.R. Tolkien called a, a sub-creator, uh, he's making a world or he's sharing with people a view of the world that is in company with God's own creation. I think that's one of the greatest things about being human is that we were made with an intellect and with emotions and with an imagination that allows us to have some small, small glimpse of the sheer joy of making.
So now that we've got at the heart of storytelling of why it is so important to create, share, and experience stories in our everyday lives, let's dive into a world that shares stories for a living. (laughs) I am so pumped about this. (laughs) We are diving into the world of theater. So to help tell our story, we're going to talk with three experts in the field. I'm Dr. Cole Mattson. I'm the Managing Director of Open Window Theater. Cole grew up in Virginia, studied acting at NYU got his PhD in theater and theology at the University of St. Andrews in the UK. He has worked professionally in the theater in Baltimore and New York, is the executive director of the Catholic Artists Connection, which meets the professional and spiritual needs of artists, especially in New York City. And one of these artists, by the way, is this lovely woman. Laura Pittenger is my name, and I am a playwright and director living in New York City. We'll hear more about Laura's story in a little bit, by the way. But Cole recently decided, in a quest for some greener spaces, to make his way to the great state of Minnesota, working as the managing director of Open Window Theater. And it is there that he met this man. My name is Jeremy Stanberry. I am the founding executive artistic director of Open Window Theater. Jeremy has a Bachelor of Arts in Fine and Performing Arts from the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Go Huskers! (laughs) He spent a year in seminary deepening his faith, did two years of full-time youth ministry work before realizing his passion still lay in the theater. So combining these two loves, his faith and his passion for performing arts, Jeremy founded Epiphany Studio Productions, a touring Catholic production company back in 2003. And out of this troupe, Jeremy moved his company to Minneapolis, decided to put touring on hold to raise a family, and started Open Window Theater. So there you have it. These will be our three main narrators for the rest of the story today. For how we understand the gift of storytelling through the medium of the theater. So we're going to call this first part of our immersion into theater part one, the experience. It occurred to me as I was beginning to think of the idea for this episode that the single greatest gift of the theater has been what I felt as I sat in the audience. The most important thing for me about the theater has always been the experience. And at the heart of this, of course, is that stories need to entertain. (laughs) If this first central criterion is met, If it's just a really good time, then it flows into the second criterion that it moves you toward the good, toward increased love of your fellow human beings, simply by letting yourself go and experiencing the story. But that last line is also important because to me, my absolute favorite thing about the theater is the communal experience of the art. Back in high school, when the second Lord of the Rings movie came out, The Two Towers, my brother and I went with some neighborhood friends to the opening midnight show. I had never, ever, ever (laughs) in my life experienced seeing a movie like that. People were all dressed up in costumes and they cheered at some of the best parts of the movie. At one point, I remember during the battle scene when Legolas pulls himself up on his horse in slow motion, there was basically a standing ovation from what felt like a third of the theater. (laughs) It wasn't like I was just watching, but I was experiencing the story. 
But here's the thing. That's how I always feel when I go to theater. I have never, ever been to a live theatrical production when I didn't feel in some way connected to both the story in front of me and connected with the people around me, my fellow audience members. Because we're all experiencing the story live with other people in the room, you almost feel like you have a part to play in the story itself. Here's Cole's take on it. Besides the physical proximity of theater, just hearing a story helps you understand what someone else's life might be like, which helps you to connect that person's life to yours and realize how we're, we're all the same in our humanity and our, our love for God. Um, so I, I think the thing that theater most gives is the actual, I mean, and, and this isn't a, you know, a psychological decision that we make. It's just the fact that being in the same room as another human person brings you closer to them in some way that's beyond words. Um, that's, that's physical. That's, that's through the shared space that helps increase, increase empathy. So that's, that's the gift of theater. Jeremy echoed these same sentiments. So there's something humanizing about theater that we really need today (laughs) in our day and age to help humanize us more. Theater is the most powerful art form in its potential to affect change and move people. We are relational beings, but as we know today through technology, we feel more distant from each other than ever. But as I think we also all know, we are thirsting for connection. The remarkable thing about theater is that, you know, it's not only one among many art forms, but theater has the ability to combine all other art forms into one, into one dynamic, live, lived, shared experience. And there's nothing else like it. Most other forms of art are experiencing the art in a passive way. In theater, the audience are active players in the experience. With live theater, there's a connection being made between the audience and those on stage. You don't have theater without an audience. But you also have to put the art first. We mentioned that theater has to entertain, but theater, like any other art, also has to be good, right? In that it communicates truth and goodness and beauty in authentic ways. If evangelization is your primary motivator, setting aside the importance of the art itself, then everyone loses. Trust me on this one. Which brings me to part two of our story, Authenticity. I think we need to like give our uh, collaborators a little more credit. Like I think they can be very curious and empathetic and interested because that's what acting is. So I think we need to just be really gentle and not assume that like we're walking into a battlefield, like we're walking into like, you know, <laughs> a hospital. Like people are, people are, can be interested. You just have to kind of um, get away from all the, you know, the really polemic and, you know, politicized kind of language and just kind of be human with each other. That again, listeners, is Laura Penninger, a director and playwright living in New York City. 
Laura grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, went to college at Ball State, where she received a bachelor's in theater production. She then made her way to New York City in 2012, where she has published two plays, directed some others, and is the treasurer of the Catholic Artists Connection. And theater has been a part of her life since her childhood. I was very shy as a child, but I love to write. I've been writing stories since I was probably five or six years old. So when I discovered playwriting, I found a way to kind of merge my love for acting in the theater with uh, my longstanding need to tell stories. But it wasn't just Laura's artistic theatrical upbringing that informed her life as it is now. Laura's faith has also been deeply influential and is constantly teaching her new things about the craft of playwriting and how to understand storytelling in our own lives. I think that we often forget We have a really long history of stories and songs and poems available to us in the Old Testament, which we kind of inherit, you know, inherited from, you know, Judaism. And I've kind of gotten really interested lately in a scholar called um, Robert Alter, who approaches the Bible as literature, first and foremost. And he's kind of seeking in his new translation of the Bible to recover that sense of the stories and songs and poems of the Bible, like as poetry, like as they might have been experienced. And I think there's something really magical about that. And I think it's worth kind of exploring like how we can kind of bring a sense of magic into our um, own stories as as Catholics. So much of our conversation, as well as my conversation with Cole and Jeremy, revolve around this idea. How do we bring a sense of magic into our stories as Catholics? Well, the first step to this, of course, is understanding how the Catholic story fits into the greater arts community. How do you make, for example, a Catholic theater stand apart in a metropolitan area with many, many theater companies? What makes you distinct? Here's Jeremy again. So we wanted to reach a broader audience with what we call a redemptive mission in the arts and really be a part of the arts community and um, and try to reach a, a broad audience with a wider range of, of shows. So there's this central question which comes up again and again and again in Catholic circles in particular in how we tell stories through the arts. What is Catholic art? This is a question which Cole in particular has wrestled with for pretty much his entire professional life. I know that one thing that we've done at the Sheen Center is is we talked about kind of what are the criteria for Catholic art. And there's a lot of, you know, disagreement about can you even call art Catholic or art Christian, you know, or should you just talk about Christians or Catholics who are doing art, describe the art itself with that with that adjective. Which is why when Cole arrived at Open Window Theater a few months ago, he was really impressed with the company's core principles. I'll have a link to these core principles on our website, by the way. But for now, for our story, I think it's important to focus on the first one. Theater should not only entertain, but also educate and inspire with the kind of beauty that will save the world. Um, and I think that one of the things that we can do too often is basically say art is only good insofar as it imparts a particular message. So you can clear away all that kind of cruft 
which is the imaginative part and just get down to, you know, what's the one line instruction that this play is telling you to do. This isn't a play, but if you take something like, like Lord of the Rings, you know, you might say, okay, well, you know, you need to uh, persevere in your goal with faith and providence. Uh, and then, you know, God will work things out, which is something you can learn from that book. But the book is so much more than just, okay, this one line of, you know, what's this little nugget of wisdom to take and impart into my life. The beauty of of experiencing the story uh, and the emotional effect that you have from the story not only forms you in your desire for beauty and your understanding and love for goodness, um, but it it's in itself pleasurable and enjoyable. Not sure how many times I need to say it this season, but I'll say it again. <laughs> the primary purpose of art is not evangelization, or at least in the traditional way that we think about evangelization. The primary purpose of art is in the fact of communicating authentic, real beauty. The art, in other words, has to be good. You know, I think too often plays that are written from a faith-based perspective, Catholic plays, if you want to call them that, um, can often be very didactic and, 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 and nobody responds well to being preached to. And so, you know, if we really want to be able to reach and impact a broad audience, you know, we, we have to find ways of... Of, of engaging people with, with our faith in, in ways that they're not going to feel accosted <laughs> from a proselytizing standpoint. We need to leave the converting to God, to the Holy Spirit, and instead focus on the simple fact of telling a good story. Take, for example, one of Laura's pieces, a 10-minute play she wrote and directed about Dorothy Day. The play tells the story of a mystical encounter Dorothy Day has with the child she aborted prior to her conversion. And what was a moment of horror ends up turning into a moment of reconciliation, forgiveness, and understanding. It was really scary to realize what the piece was going to be because I knew not everybody who was seeing the piece was going to be Catholic and maybe had never thought about that issue in a way that kind of explored the humanity of everybody involved um, instead of just focusing on, you know, the child or the mother's needs. But like, let's look at the relationship between the two of them and kind of try to see the humanity in that. And I don't think that a lot of Christian art at large um, kind of does that. I think they think they have to be really polemic and they have to take a strong side and it has to be like just sort of regurgitating like the gospel, like word for word. And I just don't think that that's true. I think we just have to be really compassionate and uh, curious and interested um, in the way that we kind of approach some of these heavier topics. Like the, the play that I wrote was not about the issue. It was about a relationship between two people. We have to make quality work no matter what. And sometimes that means forcing us out of our circles to stretch ourselves as storytellers, to learn what the tools are out there and apply it to our craft. As we continue to chat, Laura told me, Jules, I have to share something with you. <laughs> I'm writing this article about theater, and I found a quote that I'm putting on the front page of my article. So Laura read to me this quote, and it's a quote I know well. The fiction writer must embody mystery through manners, grace through nature. But when he is finished, 
there's always has to be left over that sense of mystery which cannot be accounted for by any human formula. That's Flannery, of course, listeners. That's really something I've long tried to do is to kind of teach people to kind of see grace working in the context of fiction. So like God's not a character in most of my plays. Like the characters will interact with God and pray and, you know, get really frustrated. But like God never actually like says anything out loud. (laughs) But I like to think that because I'm conscious of like sort of divine grace or like what it might look like almost from like a spiritual direction perspective, I just kind of try to fuse that into my work. And if you are a Christian experiencing the play, um, like my hope is that you'll be able to see that kind of working throughout. And if you're not Catholic or not Christian, that maybe, maybe you're able to develop kind of a lens to see that. Which brings me to part three, theater communicating beauty. At the heart of our chat this season, whether we realized it or not, is the ability of the Catholic artist to transcend our polemic divisions and simply tell a story. Whether it's visual or audio or even through the written word, the gift of the artist is, God willing, being able to actually serve as a source of unity. Something Laura said about the theater really stuck out about this idea. The thing I noticed when I was quite young was that every Sunday and then a couple times a week I was attending mass, which is an extremely theatrical experience in some ways. I kind of connected those dots when I was a really little kid. Um, And I think there's something really quintessentially human about everyone gathering together physically in a space and having a physical experience. If we're sitting around the fire or we're, you know, attending the sacrifice of the mass or we're even at a football game or we're at the theater, like we we all have to be sharing the same room and experiencing the same thing or something something close. Now, Laura isn't saying, of course, that it's the same experience, right? Theater and liturgy. But I actually really appreciated the connection she made because there's something inherently communal about witnessing beauty together, about celebrating and experiencing beauty together. Here's Jeremy's take on it. Art in its very nature, good art is inherently transcendent, right? It... it it has this mystical ability to pull us out of ourselves and to see things from a new perspective and to reflect on ourselves, uh, our relation to the world, our relation to God in, um, in new, different, meaningful, powerful ways. We have spoken all season about the power of beauty to be a gateway into faith. Beauty also does this other thing too. Beauty unites. And I can't think of a better example than this, than the theater. As Cole, Jeremy, and Laura have echoed already in this episode, there is something about experiencing a live story together, a lived story together, both audience and actor, that invites us into a deeper understanding of just who we were 
made to be as humans. Take, for example, one of Open Window's most popular productions, Mercy Unrelenting. Now written and directed by Jeremy, it tells the true story of the martyrdom of St. Maria Goretti and the transformative experience and conversion of her murderer. It's a human story, but you can't help but experience the divine through it. I've never seen at Open Window, and I've never seen in any other... (laughs) Uh, theater experience, uh, quite so many men, grown men, leaving in tears. You know, and, and but you know, and, but I think just this idea of of redemption that even if you know, even if we're not consider ourselves a person of faith, you know, we all experience our shortcomings, the shortcomings of others. We all experience our brokenness, our, our failures. We're weighed down by those and we desire redemption. You know, whether we would put it in those terms or not, we hunger, thirst, desire for redemption, for salvation and being able to, you know, uh, tell stories and, uh, you know, which is the thrust of open window theater. Our redemptive mission in the arts is, is showing, uh, through a variety of, of stories and human experiences that redemption is possible, right? The capacity for individuals and society for positive change is real. And it's all about how, you know, we, 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 how deeply aware we are of that and how we go about affecting that. And the true gift here, as Jeremy is explaining, is that good art isn't just something that impacts us in the moment. Good art is actually meant to change us. Some of the best films, theatrical productions, and even songs that I've experienced live or on screen stay with me throughout my day, even my week. That's the power of a good story. But here's the final thought. The main reason I love theater so much. Theater, whether I like it or not, (laughs) forces me out of my comfort zone, out of my existing parameters about what I think good art should be, and forces me to encounter the story of another. I am united with you through stories, knowing that we are all united in one giant story, the story of the salvation of mankind. And the main way we, as Christians in this space of the arts, in this space of the performing arts, the main way we teach about the transformative love of Christ is through real, authentic stories. Here's Laura again. I think we just have to be honest and like vulnerable. And that's so scary and tough (laughs) Um, because uh, honesty and vulnerability don't always get rewarded. But I really think like if we want to be honest about like our faith experiences, like we have to, we can't edit stuff like that out. Like people are constantly being sold things in this life. And I'm just not going to sell them the idea that like Christianity is like happy and fluffy all the time. Like that's just not my, that's not been my experience. Like it's brought me a lot of joy, but I, I can't say that like it makes everything okay all the time. And the great thing about theater, maybe the most wonderful thing is that you don't have to say that everything is okay all the time. While it's important for the story to give a glimpse of redemption, it's perhaps just as important to tell the real human story. Once upon a time about a one-way ticket to a distant place I said goodbye to Mama as I kissed her face I walked through bushes and I swam seven lakes 
my way to heaven's grace Change my name and my aim, the stars, now my trajectory Then I tied some rope around my waist to set me free I said to the Lord, break me, and then I said, heal me As I go here, oh, here, oh, here I see I go here, I go, and I go So I found that my man from the ground, no letting clear. And I'm bound by vows that loosen my weaknesses each day. And when night falls, I lay me on the earth and I fly away to hidden places in the skies lit by the sun's rays. So thank you, thank you, and now for my next terrific act. There's really none Cause I'm saved by one salvific And I'm living and I'm healing And I'm singing my magnifica As I go heave ho, heave ho Heave ho, See I go heave, I go And I go heave ho, heave ho And me I go The last piece of live theater I attended was with my husband last fall. We try to make it to one piece of theater a year with each other and hopefully one with our boys too. But this one was really special. It was the national tour of the musical A Bronx Tale. Now the story of A Bronx Tale has actually been a part of my life since I was a teenager. <laughs> my brother and I used to watch the movie with my dad whenever it showed up on TBS on a Sunday afternoon. We would quote the movie as a family and my brother would even use this one trick with the lock on his truck to see if the girl he was dating would unlock the car for him. You would understand this if you've ever seen the movie. <laughs> but seeing it live in a musical nonetheless was absolutely amazing. I, I still smile thinking about how much that date meant to both of us. In fact, when I went to scroll through my Instagram feed, I found a copy of the picture that we took together for that date and the message I wrote right after I saw it. I have read it over and over again, and I can't think of a better way to end today's show than to describe the power of theater in communicating beauty. So this is what I wrote earlier this year. Every time we go to the theater, we leave smiling. There is something about the arts which seem to have that effect. Our sweet boys are sick. Our lives are so very busy. Ryan's job has been a bit stressful. But one two-hour musical completely changed our spirits. We felt rejuvenated. And even though the hardships didn't get any easier in the day-to-day -day of parenting, we still felt lighter somehow. 
thank you to the artists out there for this kind of impact that you have on the rest of us. You have changed my life for the better. Thank you so, 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 so much to all of my beautiful guests for today, to Laura Pittenger, to Cole, and to Jeremy. Please check out our website for information about all of their incredible work, especially the information about Open Window Theater, the current season coming up, the core principles of the theater, which are really wonderful. And of course, Dr. David E. King. There'll be a link on my website to the article that I mentioned that he wrote for the Georgia Bulletin. And finally, thank you so much to Father Tanzi. When I sought to find a song for this episode, I wanted the song to be a story. I wanted it to be really kind of, to me, the pinnacle example of how to integrate storytelling into music, and there is nothing better than this album, Garden. Father Tanzi is a Franciscan friar. He's living in London, and it is the most beautiful album I think I have heard all year. There will be a link to our website <laughs> for this incredible, amazing artistic achievement, and I'm so honored to be able to feature this song. All right, folks? We'll be back in two weeks. God bless you, and we'll see you then.